Is this a feeling you can relate to today? You feel defeated at times. It's a feeling and it's true. You might even look like you start to assess everything and when you're lining it all up, it's all you can conclude is defeat. But in Christ, no matter what you see, we're promised that God leads us always in triumph. And not just some little triumph, oh, we won, but a victorious, triumphant parade where the enemies are put on display. The enemy, Satan, behind everything, diabolical. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Throughout the Christian life, God leads and guides us. It could be as you're seated next to a total stranger waiting in the doctor's office, and he tells you to talk to them about the things of the Lord. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor points to the door God opened for Paul the Apostle and what happened as a result of Paul walking by faith. Through it all, we'll discover how God leads our lives, even still today. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The last time we were together, you'll recall in verse 11 of chapter 2, lest Satan should take advantage of us. We're not ignorant of his devices. I had fully planned in that Bible study to cover a few different devices or schemes or wiles of the devil, but our study became a focus on unforgiveness, the heaviness of unforgiveness, the bitterness that it creates, the root of bitterness that it creates, that was one of the important devices and schemes that we need to be reminded of. We don't often think of an unforgiving heart as a device of the devil, but indeed it is, among many other things. And we didn't go through a long list of Satan's tactics. There are other times for that. It's impossible to go through every one of them, but general ones. We looked at the, you know, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, deception, lies, you know, the, the, very first, the very first temptation to Adam and Eve was to believe a lie, to hook on to a falsehood. But unforgiveness. Remember the church had refused to receive the repentant brother. In the beginning when that sin happened, they refused to, to bring church discipline on him. And then Paul says, no, 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 you deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Not for the destruction of him, but to bring him to a place of repentance. And you know what happened? Church discipline had its reconciling effect. He did repent. He did change. But now that there's been change, here later, time has passed, they didn't want to let him back in. It was just as bad as the earlier sin. They didn't want to see, they didn't want him to go, and they allowed sin in the camp. But now that he's repented, they didn't want to bring the repentant back. So Paul said, no, 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 forgive him, he says. Remember, forgive him, verse 7. You ought to rather forgive and to comfort him. 
so that he's not swallowed up with too much sorrow. So reaffirm, verse 8, your love to him. He is repentant and broken and humble. And so he says in verse 12, we'll pick up where we left off now to finish the chapter. Furthermore, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. It doesn't seem quite to fit the flow of what Paul is saying. Watch out for the schemes of the devil. Make sure you forgive. Make sure you bring the brother back in. Oh, by the way, furthermore, on top of that, when I went into Troas to preach the gospel, my heart was burdened. I couldn't find Titus. So I took leave and I went off to Macedonia. I go, Paul, what are you talking about? He is talking about another device of the devil. They were, remember, there was a group of people really upset with him. There was a group of people taking advantage of the people, false teachers. God had opened a door for Paul. I mean, that's what we want in our spiritual leaders. We want our spiritual leaders to follow the leading of the Spirit. We want them to know, we want to know that the people that God has put in our lives are praying and seeking and knocking and obeying. That's what Paul did. He says, by the way, I went to Troas. I did the right thing, but when I got there, things changed. My heart was broken. I couldn't find Titus. And it seems like Paul is, again, giving information to defend his decisions. Man, I'm, hey, I know that, you recall, I know that I was not coming to you when I said I did, but it wasn't because I'm not a man that doesn't keep my word. We studied that earlier. It's because things change. You have to be open for that in your life, don't you? Things change. You don't want to be someone that says yes and doesn't mean it and says no and doesn't mean it, but you also don't want to be someone that's so rigid that when God wants to change, that you're too rigid to change, to be open and to be ready. It requires that humility in our lives. I love Paul's life because it seems as you follow him along, he was always knocking on doors, looking for opportunities to preach the gospel. He was always looking for that. It's been wisely said that you will find what you're looking for. Now, of course, not if you lose your keys. It doesn't necessarily work for your keys, but other things. Like if you're looking for good in someone, you'll find it. Hey, if you're looking for something to criticize, it doesn't take long, does it? You'll find it. If you're looking some some place in, in the, your life to bring praise to God, you'll find it. If you're looking for an open door for the gospel, you'll find that too. And Paul was always looking for the open door. And that's what he found in verse 12. He was looking for it and he found it. But he didn't find Titus. And it troubled him. And he had no peace. And he decided that it was from the Lord to move on. But I love verse 14. He says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I love that. As he looks at the situation, he looks at it as he has to change his plans and, you know, changing his plans might even bring about people misunderstanding him and saying things just like it happened. He still chose to obey the Lord, but then he falls back on, but man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God leads us in triumph. And we'll get to that in a moment. Before we do, though, it says that Paul departed for, it says in the end of verse 13, for Macedonia. Skip down to chapter 7 now in the same book, verse 5. 
He's heading off to Macedonia now. In verse 5 of chapter 7, he describes his arrival in Macedonia. Chapter 7, verse 5, 2 Corinthians. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts and inside were fears. And so in between this time of Paul stepping out, in between these, this time of leaving to Macedonia and then arriving, the, the time in Corinthians in this letter right now is Paul stepping back to defend a little bit of what's being said about him, to set the record straight. And there are those seasons and times to set the record straight. And that's what he does. Now, verse 14. From verse 14 all the way to chapter 7, verse 5, that's Paul's going to be addressing different things that have come up with the church in Corinth, between the church in Corinth and him and the false teachers. And there's different groups of them that we will get into at various studies. He says, thanks be to God, who, and you might want to mark this word, always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So Paul's been dealing with some heavy false criticisms from the church in Corinth, really from a group of people, stirred up by the false teachers trying to undermine him. They've said that, already we've learned, they said that he's fickle, they said that he's unreliable, they said that his yes isn't yes and his no isn't no, that he's untrustworthy because of his travel plans. That's really what it, he said he was going to come and he didn't come when he said he was going to come. Look at him. And they saw it as an opportunity to come after him. But Paul's answering with the facts. More than anything, he wants them to realize that he's following the leading of the Lord, which, by the way, at times looks different. The leading of the Lord isn't always the same in every circumstance or with every person. That's why it's hard to see God doing a work in someone else's life, and then you really want the Lord to do the same exact work in your life. But turn over to John chapter 3. Let me give you this insight on the leading of the Lord. It's not the same. It's not the same in every circumstance. It's not the same with, all the, with uh, you know, different people. And it's also not the same with you. Think God can move differently in your life, and you need to be open for that. You know, just because God did something one way in your life doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to do it exactly the same way. So this is what Jesus describes in John chapter 3, verse 7. He describes the moving of the Spirit. And he says... Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God moving like the wind, and you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. That, that's, that's very much a description of the believer being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is not going to look the same. That's why you got to be very, very careful. That's why you're learning to write things, if you still do write things down with a pencil. You know, if you're typing it in, you can edit and autocorrect it. But now if you're still writing, just be sure to be open. You know, but, but, but Lord, you, you work in so-and-so. And you remember when they asked Jesus, when they said, well, what about him? Jesus said, don't you worry about him. You follow me. Follow me. And that's what makes the living for Jesus so exciting to me. I don't really know what a day is going to bring. It could bring something really great. It can bring something really terrible. It can bring something in between. But Jesus is always there in the midst of that with us. He promised to never leave us or forsake us in the good or the bad. When things seem to be going your way, when things are definitely not going your way, 
when you've made a mistake or you've erred or sinned or when someone's made a mistake or erred or sinned against you. What confidence Paul had and what confidence you and I can have when the Lord is leading us because he always, verse 14, leads us in triumph in Christ. There's always victory. He was absolutely sure no matter what his plans were, no matter where he went, no matter what was going on, no matter what people said, no, no matter, no matter, no matter, he was confident that the Lord was leading him in victory, in triumph, that God was in control. I like what Job said. Jot this down in Job 13, verse 15. Job said this, powerful words. Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's the kind of confidence that Paul's having right now. Like, man, I trust him no matter what. The same kind of confidence you and I can have. While others demand a reason for what's going on, we only require a faith. Could that be one of the troubles that you have right now? You're demanding a reason when God's only requiring a faith. So I need to know. Well, you may not know the circumstance or the situation, but you do know the God who sent his son Jesus to die for you. It's such a benefit to get to know him, to live for him, to live in him, to abide in him, especially when we're unsure of what's up ahead. Thanks be to God, he says, our encourager. The enemy is knocking and wants to deceive and destroy, but thanks be to our God, who, and I have this circled and highlighted in my Bible, always, do you know if you look that up in a Greek dictionary, you know what it means? That's, you guys are good. That's right. It's very, very simple. Always, always. The picture is of a Roman triumphant parade. Let me read to you what Warren Rearsby writes. He says, If a commander-in-chief won a complete victory over the enemy on foreign soil, and if he killed at least 5,000 enemy soldiers and gained new territory for the emperor, then that commander-in-chief was entitled to a Roman triumph. Similar to what Paul's using as a picture, a Roman triumph. That's the picture. The processional would include the commander riding in a golden chariot surrounded by his officers. The parade would also include a display of the spoils of a battle as well as the captive enemy soldiers. The Roman priests would also be in the parade carrying burning incense to pay tribute to the victorious army. The procession would follow a special route through the city and would end at the Circus Maximus, where the helpless captives would entertain the people by fighting wild beasts. It was a very special day in Rome when the citizens were treated to a full-scale Roman triumph. Paul sees it differently with Jesus. Paul sees it differently. As he sees Jesus marching in triumph throughout the world, He's, and we're along with him, following, we're following him in that conquering group. The victorious general's sons would talk behind their father's chariot, sharing in his victory. And that's where we are today. You feel defeated at times. It's a feeling, and it's true. You might even look like you start to assess everything, and when you're lining it all up, it's all you can conclude is defeat. But in Christ, no matter what you see, we're promised that God leads us always in triumph. And not just some little triumph, oh, we won, but a victorious, triumphant parade where the enemies are put on display. The enemy, Satan, behind everything, diabolical. I love it. It's so encouraging. 
the things that you're facing right now, in Christ, you're always led to victory. Even more than that, it's important to know that victory in your life is a gift. It's just as much a gift as salvation is. What do you do with salvation? You accept it by faith. That's where we accept what Jesus has said, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We believe that. We accept that. That's how we enter into the kingdom of God. That is how what God uses in our lives to bring forth salvation. He alone saves us. Do you know victory is received the same way? This verse promises you victory. So how do you access it? What do you do? You know, you, no need to learn all the arts of war. No need to go work out and get strong. No need to read all these books on war and what that looks. Not, victory is yours if you simply accept it by faith. You mean, Ed, I've been in this addiction for so many years. Accept the victory in Christ. It's yours. I know, but it's just been 20 years. Well, for 20 seconds, you're victorious. And if I keep talking, another 20 seconds. And another 20 seconds. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Victory, like salvation, is a gift. It's a gift. Just take it. Receive it. Don't talk yourself out of victory with the buts and you don't know and you don't understand. No, victory is yours. Yeah, but no, 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 but. No, 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 no. Uh, you keep that but to yourself. Victory is yours. You, you keep that contrast. You go, oh, I believe, but. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. It's like you took victory, you gave it right back. You took victory, you gave it right back. You walked away with victory and you threw it over your shoulder. Oh, no, I'm victorious, except. I'm victorious, but you don't know. I'm victorious. No, no. You're always led and triumphed in Christ. That abiding place. Victory is a gift. The Bible says that the victor resides in us. The victory is an inside job, not an outside job. Victory is in us. As we allow Jesus to express himself and cooperate with his life in us, we experience a continual, regular victory over sin and temptation, whereby he alone receives all the credit and all the glory for the completed, finished work of victory that's in your life and you're presently enjoying victory. Victory over everything. Any victory, you look back in the past X amount of years you've been walking with Jesus, any time there was victory, it was only because of the victory of Jesus in you. You can't ascribe it to, well, Ed, that was a real season where my Devo life was just, man, I was reading the Bible all day. I was so victorious. No, victorious. You were victorious because Jesus gave you the victory. Yeah, but, you know, that was a real good season. We were praying together. We were, you know, that was a real good season of my life, so I was just really victorious. No, no, you were victorious the same way you're going to be victorious right now, by faith. It's yours. Will being in the Word of God in a prolonged period of time where you're getting to know Jesus strengthen you and uplift you and edify you? Yes. You know what that'll do? It'll allow you to enjoy the victory even more. It'll give you context. It'll equip you so that you can do the work of the ministry. But what about those days when, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not anywhere in the Word. What about when God gives you the victory then? Ah, isn't that awesome? that whether you find yourself in the Bible reading it or you find yourself lazy and not interested, the victory is still available to you. 
Now, you may not be able to enjoy it. You may have had a little skirmish in a battle that you lost, but it would have been so much worse had your fate not accepted the victory of God that was available to you. That's so powerful and foundation for you to understand that you cannot work for victory. You do not earn victory points. You know how they play football and they put all those little stars on their helmets or whatever it is uh, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. There's like a little marijuana thing they put on there. (laughs) Have you seen that? Some kind of Buckeye. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what a Buckeye is. Not that I have anything personally against Ohio State, by the way. I don't even know why. It's not in my notes why that just came out right now. I know when I was playing Pop Warner football, we put little eagles on our, because we were the eagles, so we put a bunch of eagles, and it was almost like we were earning credit with each other, and they could go to the game and go, oh, dude, that's got a lot of Buckeyes on your helmet, man. Whoa, watch out. Mr. Buckeye is here. Watch out for him. And we do that with like our relationship with the Lord. We have the helmet of salvation as if we can add anything to it. You add nothing to the helmet of salvation. With the helmet of salvation comes victory. You don't need any stickers. You don't need to put, well, I had victory 20 other times. No, all of them. It's just one big sticker on the helmet of salvation, and that is Jesus has saved you. Victory is yours. That's the promise here. That's the promise. The promise is that we're always led in triumph, that victory is ours. Turn over to Psalm 98, verse 1. Please do not email me about Ohio State. (laughs) Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Psalm David the psalmist understands the grace of God. Look what God has done. He has done marvelous things. And because he's done marvelous things in the past, believe me, friend, he will do marvelous things today and forevermore. The victory is yours. Turn over to Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, verse chapter 21. Grace, grace, grace. It's not Jesus giving us victory. Did you hear me? It's not Jesus giving us victory. It's rather he is our victory. By his very presence in our lives, you overcome and can overcome. It's, I can almost hear your prayer life, oh, Lord, please give me victory. And the Lord says, I'm in you. What, what? I need victory over, and I'm in you. I just, no, I'm in you. Prayer answered, next. Of course, he's much more loving than that. Verse 31, chapter 21. It's another promise, isn't it? The horse is prepared for the day of battle. Right? We have that responsibility in our lives. We prepare. We make preparations. But deliverance is always of the Lord. So what do we do? We read a verse like this and we go, well, I'm going to prepare my horse as best as I can. But whether you prepare the horse or not, the deliverance is always from the Lord. Deliverance always comes from Him. Jesus is the victory, and deliverance comes from Him. A good reminder today on Abounding Grace. It's part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 2 Corinthians. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. 
look under sermons, and then do a search for today's passage in 2 Corinthians. And you can also listen to Pastor Ed through our apps. Both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado apps will pop up when you search for Calvary Aurora. And we'd really like to hear from you this summer. It's helpful to know how these studies are impacting your life, and that would be a real encouragement to Pastor Ed and the team. And if you're in need of prayer, please leave your requests, too. There's a place to contact us at calvaryco.church by email or call 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is supported by listeners just like you, and we're extremely grateful for those that come alongside of us with either a one-time gift or ongoing support. We'd like to say thanks today for a gift of $25 or more by sending you the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling by John Cruis. This is a handy reference tool for those times when someone comes to you with a problem or a question. You'll be able to open this guide and quickly find the scriptures that best relate to the issue they're dealing with. It's great for counselors, pastors, or really any Christian. So call us at 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Put a bookmark where we left off in 2 Corinthians and come back next time when we'll continue the study with Pastor Ed Taylor. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.